Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Good morning, church. Yeah, my name is Tatenda, and uh, I'm going to be taking us through uh, the book of Isaiah, in particular chapter 1. Uh, last week we had uh, Phoebe McKenzie taking us through the summary of um, the book, uh, the background, what was transpiring uh, in uh, Israel before the time that uh, Isaiah existed. It was very in-depth and um, we had an understanding of uh, what was happening at this point in time that uh, Isaiah was now uh, um, having this vision which was later on recorded. So today, uh, we're just going to look at the following components. Uh, God's complaint against Judas' wickedness, uh, Judas' helpless condition, uh, the empty religious practices that Judah was uh, involved in, God's provided solution, um, and a description of a city which was once perfect but now flawed. Then, ultimately, we see the Lord's plan of redemption for Judah. So just to... Um, worth mentioning, uh, Isaiah, in Hebrew translation, the name Isaiah actually means the Lord saves or salvation of the Lord. So you find in the book of Isaiah, the issues of salvation will be talked over and over again. I thought it is worth mentioning. And I've seen also there's the word judgment that keeps on coming in, coming in, recurring. So judgment in the biblical context is a declaration of what is right or wrong. It's not necessarily a punishment, but just a necessary step in the process of making things right. It can, however, result in a punishment as a consequence of the judgment. So I'll jump right into it. Verses 2 to 4 of Isaiah chapter uh, 1 says, Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on. So this is God complaining uh, of the wickedness that is happening in Judah. He's saying the children have rebelled against me. Most of us are parents. We are guidance in one way or the other. Imagine the children that we sacrifice for, the children that we we'll die for. One of them wakes up and is just rebelling against you. Just the feeling, how much that would hurt. This is what God was feeling from what the people of Judah were doing. He talks about the ox and the donkey knowing their owner. I know most of us, we have pets, some we, we, we have animals on our farms. They know who their owner is and they know that you care for them. But Judah was failing to recognize this of the Lord. So, you know, the, the, they were now full of sin, corrupt, the evil doing, and all this was provoking the Lord. From verses 5 to 9, we read the word of God saying, Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds. Without any soothing ointment or bandages, your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned. 
foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in the vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after harvest, like a hopeless city under siege. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. So we see the situation and the helplessness that Judah is, the condition that they are at the particular time, sick, wounded, bruised. Their land is being devoured by strangers. But what I love is despite all this, God is not wishing them evil, but he's actually longing for them to repent. Verse 5 says, why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? This is a heart of somebody who is concerned to say, this path that you are taking is no good for you. If you continue on this path, it's just distraction coming your way. So we see even in this midst, God is very concerned about his people. Verses 10 to 15, the word of God says, listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord. I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts without, with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath, your special days for your fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your past meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you may offer prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with blood of innocent victims. So we see in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed for something similar. Here in verse 10, it's saying, listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of God, people of Gomorrah. One might ask themselves, what's now happening? Is he referring to Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed, but he's likening the way that the leaders are leading. He's likening the way that the people are living to Sodom and Gomorrah. So he's saying, listen, lest you shall be destroyed. We need to reflect, even our church of today, we may find ourselves in attendance. We may find ourselves giving offerings, doing so many things that are required that we know we've been taught to do in church. But are we doing it with the right heart? God was saying to the people of Judah, I am sick of all these practices because they were not doing, doing it with the right heart. They had been used to do these religious practices regardless of them being in sin, and God was rejecting that. We need to reflect even on our day-to-day -day Christian life. From verses 16 to 20, the word goes and says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the right of widows. Come on, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you only will obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. So we see in these verses 16 to 20, God is now providing a solution to Judah to take them out of their helpless situation. He's saying turn from evil. 
He is giving an invitation. Verse 18, other version says, come, let's reason together. He sees that if this is not done, then their people are headed for destruction. And what I love about this verse, he says, come now, let's reason together. God himself felt the sense of agency in this matter. But sometimes we are so reluctant. Sometimes you think that, okay, I'll respond to this call when I finish college, when I finish university. Probably I need to have a few properties, buy a few houses, then I'll listen to what they're saying in church. Maybe let me work my life when I retire. I may start to think about it. This is not the case. God is saying, come now. You don't know what's going to happen between the now and the next moment to come. That moment might not come anymore. So if I were you, I would make this decision right now as what was being advised to the people of Judah. It's not our good intentions. If you see, God is saying, I will make them as white as snow. I will make them as white as who? This is about him. So it's not our good intentions. It's not our good works. It's not a matter of time. Even death itself can never make the stains as white as snow. It can only be God through the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then from uh, in verses 19 and 20, we see a condition that has been set for this invitation to come to pass. He says, if you are willing and obedient. So it's going to take willingness and obedience. Without willingness, without obedience, this invitation from God shall never come to pass. There is an outcome to the way that we are going to respond to this call. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But on the other side, he said, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sweat. And it's just as straightforward. It's a choice that one needs to make to eat the good of the land or to be on the other side. It's your call this morning. Amen. Then from verses 21 to 23, we are just seeing a description of the state of Judah. What it was like before and the current state. So the word of God says, see how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute. Once the home of justice and righteousness, she is now filled with murderers. Once like pure silver, you have become like a worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now like watered down wine. Your leaders are rebels, the companions of thieves. All of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they refuse to defend the cause of orphans or fight for the right of widows. When I look at this scripture, sometimes my heart starts to beat because there are even things that we've crippled into as Christians and we are now making them normal. I see issues of loving bribes, demanding of payoffs. Some of these things are happening and it's Christians, it's believers that are also found in the midst of such practices. We are being reminded of what was happening in Judah, a faithful city, a righteous city, now behaving like harlots. You know, picture once faithful and how promiscuous people live. This is what was now happening in the city of Judah. They were rebellious. They were corrupt. They were thieves in the city. There was no compassion for others. Where are we today as the Christians of today? Do we still have the first love that we had when we got born again? Revelations 2 verse 4 to 5 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The first love is the one that seeks to be conformed to his image. 
the one that learns to act and to react as what Jesus would do. How are we conducting ourselves out there? Do we still have the first love? Are we acting and reacting as what Jesus do? Or when people look at us, they even wonder, why would I need to be a Christian if Christians are behaving in this way? We need to reflect on that. Verses 24 to 31. This is now the redemption plan that God is giving. And what I love, God always has a plan of redemption. From the fall of man, it has been his mandate to reconcile men back to himself. So every time God always brings out his plan of redemption for his people. The word says, therefore, the Lord of heaven's armies, the mighty one of Israel says, I will take revenge on my enemies and pay back my foes. I will raise my fist against you. I will make you down and skim off your slag. I will remove all your impurities. Then I will give you good judges again and wise counselors like you used to have. Then Jerusalem again will be called the home of justice and the faithful city. Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness. But rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed. And those who desert the Lord will be consumed. You will be ashamed of your idol worship in groves and sacred oaks. You will blush because you worshipped in the gardens dedicated to idols. You will be like a great tree with withered leaves, like a garden without water. The strongest among you will disappear like straw. Their evil deeds will be the spark that sets it on fire. They and their evil works will burn up together and no one will be able to put out the fire. When you uh, read this, it might uh, seem like a threat, but I don't see it like that. The Lord is actually reassuring people that there's a plan of redemption. He starts by saying God reminds, he starts by reminding that he is the mighty one and he's giving that I am the final authority. He says that he's going to turn up the heat a bit. It's not to destroy, but it's to purify Israel. So we find even in our Christian lives, sometimes the heat is turned up a bit. It's not up to destroy us, but it's just purifying us for what the Lord requires us to be. Verses 26 to 27, he talks of restoration. And from 28 to 31, regardless of him giving us a plan of redemption, he's still reminding us that if we don't make the good choice, they shall be shaming on those who are non-repentant. Those relying on their own strength shall be destroyed. The word of God says they will be burnt with fire that cannot be quenched. How is this relating to our Christian work today? What was happening in the time of Judah? resonates in so many ways with what we experience today. It would be good for us to reflect and see where we stand, see where this message applies in our day-to-day life as Christians. Where are we falling? How are we rebelling against God? And how can we take up this invitation to be able to sort ourselves out and reconcile ourselves to God once again? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.